Talking a lot about community last night. Talking a lot about community. Anyway, it kept coming back to like my the, the community I grew up in and how I'd never thought of it as a community when I was living in it, but that's exactly what it was. And how a lot of it revolves around kids and family. I think anybody who's ever experienced a true community, it really is a network of families. You know, people who have kids in the same school. And it, it makes complete sense that that would be, you know, the, the strongest network, really. Because what's an adult community? You have a circle of friends, you're involved in this interest. But people who are raising kids in the same area, what they would call community, you know, that's really going to be the core of what community is. And how, again, like, I didn't think about that at the time. I didn't think, like, I'm part of a community. But, uh, you know, I think about this, this family that my best friend's little brother's best friend's older brother, who was a year younger than me, was this kid where, like, everybody just knew he was gay. Going back to elementary school, I never had a single conversation with this kid. He went to all my schools. Like I said, he was a year younger than me, but he went to all my schools from the time that I was in first grade through my senior year. He was always there, but I never had a single conversation with him, not once. But I knew who he was. I have no doubt he knew who I was. Because when you go to elementary school and then continue on to junior high, you're just going to know, you just know people's names. Or, you know, you know them because they're your best friend's little brother's older brother. But it, it was funny just because, like, I don't, I don't even think it was spoken out loud. I don't, I don't remember anybody even really saying it until we were older, but it was like, oh, he's gay. There were a couple kids like that. It's like every grade had one or two. And it wasn't like they were, they acted like what, you know, it wasn't like they acted stereotypically gay. I mean, like this kid, it was pretty obvious. He, I remember he was very quiet and had these kind of like meek gestures and this effeminate, not effeminate in an exaggerated way, like the stereotypical gay guy, but there was just kind of an effeminate vibe from him. And he was just, and he only hung out with girls. That's usually a pretty big sign is if like, and I'm talking about like back in elementary school. Like if you're a little boy and you only hang out with girls, that's certainly a, a check, you know, a box on the, the checklist. That alone might not mean you're gay, but it's like that's, if you see that, you know, that's a definitely a sign. And there was a time a little bit later, but like he was never out of the closet or anything. And, and the thing is too, I never remember anybody calling him faggot. Never remember anybody saying fag. Maybe from his, maybe he did get that and I just never saw it. But the kids who actually seemed legitimately gay, the kids who we all knew were gay from a, an early age, I don't remember anybody ever calling him any names or anything. They were just kind of left to their own devices. 
People threw the word fag and faggot around, used all the time. I mean, it, it, it was used as, uh, it was used practically as much as the word like man or dude. Hey, faggot. What a faggot. What a fag. Fag. Stop acting like a faggot. What's that faggot looking at? <laughs> it's just, it was like punctu like sentences were just punctuated by it. But I don't remember. It. What's interesting is, is as much as that was used, and obviously like gay guys were called faggot. I'm not trying to say that that wasn't going on. But I'm just saying like in my experience, 99.9% .9 of the times I heard it, it was just between straight guys. And not even necessarily like accusing another straight guy of being gay. Like, what are you, a faggot or something? Um, it, it was just used universally. And it took on a meaning of its own, too. You know, it, it took on a meaning, at least in the time and place that I lived in, where it didn't mean gay. You gay? He's gay. It actually kind of, kind of came to mean something else entirely. Like, I remember saying it once. I was at a school dance in eighth grade. And my school was seven through nine. So the se the seventh graders were called the Sevies. Fucking Sevy. And so it was like the first year, you know, we'd spent all the seventh grade being the Sevies. And so in eighth grade, you're, you know, you know you've, you've gone up a rank. Now there's someone lower than you. And, and we didn't like bully anybody. Like we weren't mean to Sevies just for the yeah. sake of it. But there was this one time at a school dance where, like, me and a group of my friends were standing in a circle at the edge of the dance floor, the edge of the gymnasium in the dark. And uh, this Sevy came up to us. Like, he, he butted into our circle. And he was singing along with, with the music that was on the, the DJ was playing. They'd bring these DJs in. The local rap radio station would sponsor our school dances and they'd bring these DJs in. Just like a fat guy, you know, playing CDs. But uh, it was some old school rap song. If I really thought about it, I could probably name it, but it's like, it's like this old rap song. Like I wanna say early 80s. And the seventh grader, he was, he, he just like butted. We didn't, we weren't friends with him. We didn't know him. You know, we saw him around. We probably knew his name. Somehow you just absorb names. But we didn't, like, know this kid. He just butted in, and he was, like, you know, singing along to this rap song, this old rap song. Like, I want to say it's that one's like, can I even fucking do it? I can't do it. It was kind of fast rap for its era. I wouldn't even be able to do it. If I did an impression... I don't know any of the words. It'd be like that's my. That's what I'm gonna tell people. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell people like, oh hey, I'm gonna do some rap for you. You go do 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 but it was something just that had like a very quick pace to it and he mouthed along to it. And then there was just this pregnant pause and he had this big smile on his face. He was just, 
I don't know why he did it. He was just I think he was just feeling really glib. It was his it was his very first school dance. It was the Sevi's very first school dance. And I think he was just having like a spell of euphoria, feeling a little bit glib, as the great Tom Cruise would put it. And uh, he just did that to us. And then he just like stopped. He had like this big smile on his face. And then we were all silent for a moment. And I just said, what a faggot. And then, you know, my friends and I, we just, it was like the timing was perfect. Like we all just burst out laughing. Because that's exactly what he was being to us. Like, that's what I mean about the word having its own self-defining meaning. Like in a glib moment, this seventh grader just like forcing himself into our circle at a school dance and rapping along with a song with a big stupid smile on his face. It was the perfect response. Like after this pause, it was like the perfect timing. What a faggot. Um... And uh, I remember he just like walked away, but like we just burst out laughing because there were moments like those where you, it, the word just had its own meaning. You know, I mean, I, I shouldn't even need to explain this, but we, I certainly didn't look at this kid and think he's being gay. And even though people used gay in that sense too, like the, in this universal sense, it wasn't like, oh, you know, he's acting like a homosexual. It was just to us at that in that at that time and place. It's like, how do you describe what that guy just did? What a faggot! And to say that, like he heard it, like we didn't acknowledge him, like we didn't, we didn't, I didn't, I wasn't saying it to him. He was standing right in front of me, but I wasn't saying it to him. I wasn't including him. I was just. It was as if he wasn't even a part of our conversation, and. It, I was just making that observation to my friends, and so it was just, that made it even better. And it wasn't like, like he, he laughed or something, he had a big smile on his face, I don't know what, what this kid's deal was, but it wasn't like he, he like hung his head and like walked away and cried because I said that, like he, he knew he, what he was doing, like he knew he was being a faggot, and he got called out on it. And your friends, you know, I was told that many times. Like even not many years ago, I have a friend who would call me. And if I didn't answer my phone, he'd leave me a message. He'd be like, fuck you, faggot. You fucking faggot. Because he wanted to talk to me. And because I didn't answer, I was being a faggot to him. You know, it's It's subjective. But like that kid who rapped along to the song, he, uh, that's a objective. That kid was objectively being a faggot. And you know, I, I certainly did many things. I deserved to be called that many times. I think, you know, part of being a young man is that there are many times where you need to be checked you need, you need people to check you. And that's a great way to do it. For young men, like, that was a great way to do it. Like, yeah, maybe it's a different story if, like, the jocks chased you down and called you fag, faggot, 
and you were actually gay or you were because you hear the stories like oh i was a punk in the 80s and the the rednecks used to drive by and call me call us fags and faggots you know it's like that's a i think that's a different a much different situation obviously the same word but when it's a peer group you know when it's like when the when the playing field is level that was how people kept each other in check i never heard it used in a belligerent way it was just stop being such a faggot dude and everybody understood what that meant everybody understood exactly what that meant um so anyway this kid though you know he he was in the closet like he wasn't out as gay but you just knew he was gay and there was one time where I was the PE teacher's assistant for like two years. And I was in the, the office, the, the gym office one day, and that kid asked to use the phone, and I was like, okay. Uh, and he called his mom, it was around midday, and he goes, mom, like, some of the girls are coming over to our house after school, and he's like, and I'd like you to have sliced apples and slices of cheese laid out for us, you know, thank you. And I already knew this kid was gay, like even though he wasn't out about it. I knew, like this kid's like a seventh grader. But I remember thinking like that was really gay. I just listened to it. I was just an observer. And I was like, that was really gay. Like one, like I said, he only hung out with girls. So it's like he's inviting some of the girls over after school and he's requesting that his mother have sliced apples, apple slices and slices of cheese like laid out on a plate. I went over to kids' houses after school an uncountable amount of times. Never once did they call ahead and be like, Hey, Mom, I'd like you to have this, this, and this laid out for us. You'd just go to their house and they'd be like, Oh, you want some Doritos? And the mom would come in and be like, Oh, I'm ordering a pizza. would be like, Awesome. Never once did I ever call my mom. Like, never did I ever call my mom when a friend was coming over to my house and say, like, Mom, I'd like this. Never even a dinner request or anything. Mom, like, Nick is coming over. I'd like it if we ate spaghetti tonight. You know, that wouldn't be gay, but it, it, it would be weird to me. It's something I would never do and never did. Nick comes over to your house. Your mom happens to cook spaghetti. You'd never request it, especially like something like a dainty snack. Like he was requesting that his mother lay out like pr- a prepared dainty snack for him and these girls he was friends with. Just unheard of. A friend never did that for me. Like I never did that for a friend. I never said that to my. Um, I never said that to my mom. My friends never said that to their mom. It was just. I remember in that moment just being like, "Wow, yeah, he really is gay." Like I already, I already thought like early on, like, "Oh, this kid's gonna end up gay," but in that moment, I was like, "Oh yeah, this kid is. This is just a fact now." And then I found out that after high school, yeah, he did come out as gay, and he ended up becoming like. Somehow I ended up finding out that he. He's like ripped. And he, I don't know if he's a model or what he is. I mean, he'd be like a year younger than me, so late 30s by now. But he's just, he's like living the ultimate gay playboy lifestyle. 
Like he just goes to tropical places with like a harem of other like really fit gay men. And they pose together in, you know, swim trunks and speedos or something. It's just this really just it's like the ultimate gay lifestyle. And it's really uh it's like vain and out there too. It's like a lot of a lot of photos, a lot of posing, a lot of wealth. Going fancy places and doing fancy things. I mean great, like but it's weird just because this kid was so meek and quiet when he was young, and even though we knew he was gay, it's like interesting to see like him become truly gay as an adult. But like I said, I don't think I ever even talked to this kid really. Maybe just the smallest of small talk. Probably just the smallest of small talk. There was one time though that his family gave me a ride home from my friend's house. Because like I said, his little brother was my best friend's little brother's best friend. My best friend's best friend. Um, so I was over at my friend's house and then that guy's little brother was there. And it was time for us, time to go home. And that kid's dad came to pick him up and they were like, can you give Eric a ride home too? And so they gave me a ride home. They were really nice. Like the I remember the dad being really nice. Little brother wasn't gay. Dad wasn't gay. Just the older brother was gay. But yeah, like the, the it felt like the whole family, at least a few of them, gave me a ride home. Really nice. Never, never had any other interaction with them. Just the, the kids went to my school. But that's a good example of community, like where it's like, oh, we can trust this man to give, you know, our, our other son's friend a ride home. Like you kind of take that for granted. Like, of course he would. Oh, you you live in the same small part of Kirkland. You know, you're hanging out with your friend. Your friend's little brother is hanging out with his friend. His friend's dad comes to pick him up. Hey, can you give him a ride home? Sure. You know, you kind of take that for granted that that can just happen. Like, it's something that's normal, happened all the time. Like, many times, you know, someone gives you a ride home from someone's house. A lot of different ride homes. Each one a portal into each one's a portal into itself. At any time like someone gives you a ride home that you don't normally know or get rides with, it's like you've entered a portal. You know, that that's a unique lineup. It's kinda like if you've ever done something with like two or more people, and it's a combination of people that never hung out together before that or after that. Like that one time that us three, like maybe one of them's your friend, but like the other one's a friend of your friend. I mean, that, that happens all the time, but when it's like classmates, like I think about like a couple times in my life when like me and like two other classmates that I didn't normally hang out with did something together. And I'm like, that was a, a portal. The one time, the one time that those three people ever hung out. You know, you look at like my close friends and it's like different combinations of us hanging out enough times for an eternity. But when it's just like this one off, that's kind of how these ride homes were. These ride rides home. It was like, oh, this family's going to give you a ride home. Okay. You, you get like a, a feel for that family's vibe. 
You've never been inside this car before, and and you're it, it's a totally trustworthy situation. You know, it's not like oh yeah, you, you know we're gonna let Eric get a ride home from this strange man, this strange man. This strange man is gonna give Eric a ride home. We don't know if he's gonna get driven off and molested in some back alley. I don't know if this guy's just gonna drive away with Eric and he's never gonna be seen again. But it's like it's communal. The kids are friends. It's a network, and you completely and I and I, I remember like going home to my mom, and I was like, oh yeah, this uh, this family who knows Nick's family gave me a ride home, and be like, they're awesome. <laughs> like it, it was just yeah, the dad was really nice. I was in a portal for about ten minutes. It was awesome. And your mom doesn't say like, who gave you a ride home? Like you rode home with with who? It's like she's just like, oh yeah, okay. Cool. Cool. That's cool. I was nice of them to give you a ride home. You know, it's it's pretty funny, like that that's community, that's the network of people. It's like there's a certain level of trust beyond your relationships alone. Like that's not true as an adult. Like anytime I've ever like been part of a circle of people I don't trust their friends who I don't really know. Like maybe a couple of them, maybe if you get a good feel for them, but it's like, if it's just like, oh, these people know your friend, I'm not gonna trust them. I don't know why my friend knows them. Even though I'm a a grown male and dangerous, (laughs) uh, you know, like, I I might not even wanna get a ride home from somebody who's just a friend of a friend. But when you're part of a community, like a real community, and like kids are involved, like that makes things, you know, more precarious because there are predators in communities. Trust is one of the ways that you know people, um, you know, you know, it, you know, it's it's the whole like family member, like kids are more likely to be abused by somebody they know type thing. Um, I think I think the reality is just kids are more likely to be abused. Period. And so, because kids are more often than not in like in a community, in a in a tight knit network of people, it just st- statistically that's going to happen more often. Um, but I was going to say, but like, there's also this high level of trust, and like you also in a community, you also put your kid in far more vulnerable situations and nothing bad ever happens and a lot of good things happen like that's the other side of it when people are like oh you know like you know a kid is more likely to be abused by a family member or a family friend or a neighbor what they're leaving out of that is you know a kid in a a communal environment is more is having far more encounters with other people and the closest encounters they have like the most private encounters are going to be with someone the family trusts like a relative or a family friend but the volume of kids interacting with adults that they know and there being nothing but positive or neutral outcomes is just you can't even count it it's going on all the time so like when there are instances of abuse it's not like that tells you like don't trust your family or friends because they'll molest your kid. Like, no, it's just 
the volume of interactions a kid is having with adults in a communal environment is just through the roof. Um, was I was going to say, uh, but it is, it, it is a funny thing to think like in that environment, like there, there is this great deal of trust and the trust is well earned. You know, it's not blind trust. It's like there is a safety net in that network. Like we can vouch for these people. Like basically what it was is like, oh, hey, you know, this family's picking up their son and Eric needs to go home soon. Why don't they give him a ride home? And everybody just goes, yeah. Um, That, you know, my friend's family, like they're vouching for these people. They're not saying that. They're not like, we vouch for them. Oh, don't worry, Eric. This strange man is going to give you a ride home, but we vouch for him. It's all implied. It's all like built into it. Like, oh, this person's in network. Of course I'm going to trust them. Um, what else do I have here? Um, I don't know. It's interesting, like thinking about like rebelliousness. Because I was saying a minute ago how there was a gay kid or two in, in most grades. There are a couple kids in my grade that, I mean, there's definitely some gay kids in my grade. But I I don't remember there being like a, a single definitive one. Like the year younger than me, it had that kid, a couple of those kids. Uh, the grades older than me. Like, I remember when I was a sophomore in high school, there was a senior. I don't even know his name. I didn't even know him. I never had a single interaction with him. And he was out gay. You know, he was openly gay, from what I understand. And people just kind of knew him as, oh, he's the gay guy. I don't remember people being upset about it. I don't remember people, like, going after him. You know, I'm sure he got called fag a couple times in his life. And it probably stung more because he was gay. Um, I'm, you know, everybody was called fag and faggot all the time. Your friends called you that. I, you know, I don't think that actual gay guys at that age are called it more often than anybody else. I think everybody gets a ton of it or used to. So I don't, I don't know what his experience was, but I never remember anybody being cruel or anything. But everybody was aware of it. Like, oh, you know the gay guy? I remember somebody saying, like, the most I ever heard one time is I remember somebody saying, like, I was in the bathroom and the gay guy came in. And, like, maybe ma- making kind of a joke about it. Not a cruel, not a, maybe, maybe somebody would say any joke about that is cruel. But it wasn't a particularly cruel joke. I mean, I think that was the whole of the punchline. Just, oh, I was in the bathroom and, like, the gay guy came in. Um, just, just like, a, a little quip. Meaningless quip. No investment behind it. But there was just a gay guy. And you're just like, oh, that's a gay guy. But what's interesting about it is... I could probably name, like, five kids, if I thought about it, who, like, everybody knew was gay... It was just, like, even if the kid himself didn't come out as gay until later, you just kind of knew, oh, that kid's gay. Oh, he's gay. He's gay. He's gay. You just knew it. It was just kind of a fact about that kid. Not something that you really discussed much or cared about. You just kind of knew it. 
but in none of those cases did it ever feel like it was being done out of rebelliousness or that it was like an identity being chosen or anything like that it just um, it, it just kind of it was something about them it was uh, yeah I would just say it was something about them Whereas, you know, what we, we've seen in recent years with, you know, the trans kids or, like, gender amorphous kids, the they-thems, all of that, is it's, it, it does come across far more as an act of, re- of teenage rebellion. It's rebelling against something far deeper. Like, kids have always rebelled. They've always found a way to rebel. But with that, it, you know, it comes across in just about every case. Certainly, like the proliferation of cases that we've seen in recent years, it comes across like, oh, they are seeking rebellion. And so, what's a very sharp rebellion to to start up? Oh, like my gender is different than the one that you forced me to have, and so I'm going to force you to do this because you know. Teenagerhood, a lot of it is about like pushing and trying to gain the illusion of control. Like, I want you to do this. I want you to, to say this to me. I want you, you know, so much of it's just like this push and this desire to control. And so that's a very good way, you know, in like society and, and these social movements, like, it, it's like it's created a pocket where that's even possible. Like people wouldn't have been able to rebel in that way in years past. Like it, when I was a teenager, you wouldn't have been able to rebel successfully in that way. And it had no political weight. Because what makes it unique and new is it's the first time I can remember where, you know, a, a teenage identity is able to pull the strings of politics where like somebody who doesn't accommodate that te- that teenager's requests or demands can be condemned like we we've seen in some places where like parents lose custody parents get in trouble because they won't go along with it And, uh, you know, and then it has a voice in political discourse. It has a voice in any conversation about culture. And adult parents and adults of any kind, like even just people who speak out against it, you know, people who don't have any kids, but they've just are at all critical of it or at least objective even, you know, they can get in a lot of social trouble. They can get in professional trouble. So that's a lot of control. Like, by rebelling in that way, by being like, oh, you know, my gender's different than uh, the one you said it was. You know, that, uh, that's, a, it's crazy, like, how much control that has, how much influence that has. You didn't see that from a gothic teenager. You didn't see that from a goth, a got. You didn't see that from the guts. The gats. You didn't see that from punks. You didn't even see that from wiggers. My favorite. My favorite. The wiggers. 
you know, you didn't see any like teenage subculture from years past. Like people just were like, huh, look at that phase. Oh, he's going through a phase. We let Matt dye his hair and spike it because he's, he's just going through a phase. And you can even like say that to the kid. Be like, well, Matt, you know, it's a phase, Matt. We know this is a phase, Matt. And Matt had no like political avenue. Like, oh, Matt's parents have been taken away from him because they wouldn't acknowledge him as a punk. Oh, uh, you know, Corinne's parents have been taken away from her because they wouldn't play into her, her gothic identity. You know, it was just, it's absurd to even say that. Oh, uh, you know, Bill Stevens has been fired from the Washington Post because he thinks that goth identity is just a phase for rebellious teenagers. You know, it's just, it's absurd to say that because it just never happened. You know, teenage rebellion was entirely different. And we, we've seen this, the gender phase come about at a time when, like, the old identities are hard, if not um, impossible, to come by. Like, an organic teenage identity just developing in the wild is just, it's not the same. Like, kids have a much different relationship to their interests today. You know, they're consuming things through their phone. And this isn't a, oh, they're, they're just on their phones all the time. But it is, it's a much different, like, the mediums they consume, um... You know, it's just, that stuff just doesn't form. Like, some kids try. Like, there are still punks today. But actually, most of the kids you're going to meet today who are like, I'm a punk. I'm into punk. They're also doing the gender thing. A lot of them. They're into that, at the very least. And and when they are like, I'm a punk, it's it's just an imitation of an imitation of an imitation. It's so far down the line at this point um, that I... You know, you just don't see those sort of organic identities form. And so kids, they're going to need one, though. They're going to be looking for one. And this happened to be there. And it ended up being very, very potent. And the, the crazy thing about it is it's this sort of lifetime commitment. I mean, it is in many cases. Like if a kid, you know, when the kids start having surgeries and doing the hormone thing what they call the hormone thing you heard of that dance it's called the hormone thing look at all those kids out there they're doing this new dance it's called the hormone thing but they start playing around with that stuff and it, bec it becomes a lifetime commitment like this is me you know it's like when I was uh, when I turned 16 I begged my mom to sign off so I could get a tattoo you know you can't get a tattoo here until you're 18 and I think I even planned on drawing it. It would have been a shitty drawing, but, you know, and, and honestly, like, what made me want to get a tattoo, like, at that point, I still felt like tattoos were cool. You know, tattoos were still different in 2001. But what made me want to get one is there were a couple seniors who were 18 who had tattoos. And I remember thinking, like, it's fucking cool. To walk around your high school as a student with a tattoo. The oldest, uh, the oldest one in the book, 
I want to get a tattoo to look cool. But there was something in particular to me about like being in high school, being young and having a tattoo. My mom wouldn't do it. You know, she was very permissive, very liberal about what I was allowed to do, what I was allowed to be into, what I was allowed to consume. I was very free. My mom gave me a very free life. It's her birthday today. She gave me a very free life. Literally. <laughs> uh, she brought me into this world. And, uh, but then, you know, she was very permissive, but she just refused. She's like, I'm not, I'm not going to sign off so you can get a tattoo. Like, wait till you're 18. You still want it when you're 18, get it. And I, I tried to like reason with her for a minute and like, oh, okay. So glad that I, I, to this day, not a single tattoo. I have zero tattoos. And I, I'm happy. I'm Tattoos are cool. Tattoos are fine. I'm glad I don't have any because I didn't want any. I didn't truly want any tattoos. I wanted to look cool. But, uh, you know, the, just the point is, is, you know, when I was 16, I had my own agenda in mind. I didn't truly want a tattoo, but I had this agenda where it's like, you know, I want to, it's going to make me feel like this. I'm going to seem like this. People are going to notice my tattoo. I'm going to be like those cool people I see around who have tattoos. Must be cool to have a tattoo in high school a high school tattoo um, but you know my mom you know pushed against it you know she she said no simply she simply said no but to have a new form of tattoo that your parent might be uh, you know this is just a fleeting thought they have they want to do this to fit in. They want to do this to be cool. They want to do this because they think it'll form an identity for them. But the parents can't say no. They can't even, you know, hit the brakes. I think that's what it is more than anything. It's not even that the parents can't say no. But it's like all of this stuff, you know, as I've said over and over again, like the fat mannequins. When I noticed that there were way too many fat mannequins at Target. And I thought about that, that company meeting where who's allowed to pump the brakes? Who's allowed to be the person that says, do you think we have enough fat mannequins? Not even too many. But that first person in the Target corporate meeting who says, you know, I th you think we have enough fat mannequins? Like just trying to pump the brakes. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that with this, what I'm talking about here, which is like your kid wants to explore gender. Like it's one thing to be like, okay, let them do it. You know, when Jenny was that age, she went through a goth phase. She went through a this phase. And sometimes those phases include things that stay with you. I mean, who knows how many punks, most, maybe many, I would say many. Let's not say most, but many, you know, carry some of that with them. They evolve, they change, they outgrow it, whatever it is. But many of them carry that with them. They carry elements of it with them. And so I'm not even trying to trivialize these phases. Like when I say that teenagers go through phases, it's not like I'm saying teenagers, uh, it's all, <laughs> it's all, it all just leaves. The teenager outgrows it and none of it stays behind, like maybe here and there. But when a teenager is serious about a phase, when they're serious about an interest, even if they move on, 
even if they outgrow it, even if they change, like parts of it stay with them. That's, and that's kind of like the beauty of teenage phases is like you go through a phase, you hold on to a little bit of it and you go on to the next one. And usually like one phase will propel you into the next. Um, so like the same could be true for this like gender exploration stuff where it's like, oh, she's going through a phase and she'll keep some of it, elements of it. But, you know, there's this permanence to the way it's, it's being approached where it's like, oh, no, no, she knows herself better than anybody. And it becomes this lifetime commitment. So uh, the fact that like you're, you're not even allowed to pump the brakes or ease it through, it's just you know full-on commitment is what what's expected, and anything except full-on commitment is considered child abuse in many circles. You know, in, in mainstream dialogue, it's child abuse in some law. It's child abuse if you don't fully commit to that. No pumping of the brakes, no slowing down. Can't go 10 miles an hour, you gotta go 50. But it, it's rooted in this rebelliousness is how I see it. I mean, it's, it seems pretty obvious that this is teenage rebelliousness. And where it's different than somebody who is simply gay, like when I was growing up, like the few kids who you knew, like, oh, that kid's gay. That didn't seem like an act of rebellion. And it was usually something that was subtle and not out in the open. Sometimes, you know, the kid didn't even completely know it himself, but it was something you picked up on. So, uh, that's interesting to me. It's interesting to me that that didn't ever seem like an act of rebellion. Nobody became gay when I was in high school as like a phase Oh, he's going through a gay phase. It was never out front, never out in the open, but this new thing does come across like a phase. It's obviously rooted in rebellion, and it's, re it's, it's allowed people to rebel against something far deeper. Like, whereas teenagers used to just take on these identities like merit badges. I'm a punk now. I got my punk badge. I'm getting my, I'm on my, I'm working to get my punk badge. It's like Boy Scouts. Like, I got my fire starting badge because I learned how to rub two sticks together. I learned how to rub two stickies together. Um, I got my, uh, my rope tying badge. That's kind of what identities used to be more like. It's like, oh, he's, he's trying to get his punk badge now going for his stoner badge. He's going for his skateboarding badge. He's going for his goth badge. And, uh, yeah, now it's, it's something where, well, what I was going to say is back then it was, though, it was very much about just like taking an existing identity on. I'm going to become this for a little while. And, uh, you know, you'll just kind of ease into something else after that. Just ease in, in a different direction. Whereas now, it, it's about destroying identity itself. It's about, 
you know, completely divorcing yourself from the idea of identity. Because even if you were a punk 30 years ago, 20 years ago, you know, you were still a, a, a boy. I'm a boy punk. I'm a boy punk. I'm a boy punk. I'm a punk boy. You know, you, you still had your sense of identity apart from that. Like you were decorating yourself for that time. I'm going to decorate myself as a punk, but I'm still me. I still have my name. I'm still a boy. You know, you're not destroying your core identity itself. You're not destroying the idea of identity itself. You're just taking on these other identities to decorate your core identity. And what we're seeing with gender, what we're seeing with trans and all that, is it's it's destroying the core identity. I want to be known by this name. I'm not a girl, I'm a boy. I'm not a boy or a girl. I'm a I'm a they. I'm a this. I'm this other word that I've invented or that somebody else invented. I'm not what you think I am at all. I'm not what anybody's ever thought I was. And so it's this tra- it's this attempt to transform your core identity. And interestingly, it's 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 always um interestingly it's it's always uh, what was I going to say? Like it always involves like a name change and a gender change. You know, you don't hear about people who are like, oh, you know, uh, I, I've really searched my soul and I found out I'm this, and I'm changing my identity. But the, you know, but my name and my gender are going to stay the same. You don't really hear about that. I don't think I explained that very well. I don't know that I can. But anytime someone goes through this, most of the time it ends up being like, well, it turns out like this voice in my head tells me this is my true name. Like the person knows their true name. It's That's a violation of one of the oldest, most golden rules there is, which is you can never name yourself. You can never give yourself a nickname. And you can never name yourself. You are you come into the world named and people give you other names. It's why it's such a you know, it's an old joke, the idea of like someone giving themselves a cool nickname. I inadvertently gave myself a nickname in high school. One time a, a big group of people we went out bowling, like midnight bowling. They called it X bowling. And I, I, for my bowling name, you have to type a name into the machine. I typed the name Jack Blade. We'd always choose goofy names. We'd, we'd always choose joke names. You'd never type in your real name into the bowling machine. The scorekeeping machine. So one night I was just like, Jack Blade. And I was with some people that I didn't really know. Like I was with my friends, but then there were some other people that I didn't really know very well. I hadn't hung out with them before. And they kept calling me Jack Blade. They they didn't know my real name. So they or they kept forgetting it or something. So they, they kept just being like, oh, Jack Blade. And then from then on, they just knew me as that. Like I started hanging out with these people a lot and they just started calling me Jack Blade. My own good friends started to call me Jack Blade. 
Like people would have conversations where they'd be like, uh, you know, Eric's going to be there and, they, and someone would be like, who? And be like, you know, Jack Blade. And be like, oh yeah, Blade. And then people start calling me Blade. Like the, the, the dorkiest, you, you know, the dorkiest fucking cool nickname. Like that's one of those cool nicknames that's extremely dorky. Like the idea of being like, call me Blade. I'm Blade. But it developed very organically. Like, even though I, I used that as my bowling nickname one night, people started calling me that organically. And then it got shortened to Blade. And my friends would just call me. They'd be like, hey, Blade. I've never really thought about how crazy it is that for a period of, like, two years of my life, and even after high school, like, there were a few people who would still use it. You know, it's one of those things where if, like, somebody knew you at that time, if they met you at that time, they'll always call you that. But there are a couple of people who, to this day, Blade, hey, Blade. Um, but, you know, I, I can't say that I gave myself the nickname. I didn't say, like, start calling me Blade. It just happened organically where they, they just started calling me that because of the bowling game, because of the bowling Where'd you get that nickname? Oh, bowling. And it's not like I, I, like when I went on to the next phase of my life, like when I went off to college and met new friends, it's not like I, people ask me my name and I'm like, you can call me Blade. That was just for the people who were there and decided to start calling me that at that particular time. But you can't give yourself a nickname. You can't like at, like, you know, you see that sometimes too. Like you have very little control over your name, and when you do try to control your name, people resent you for it. They're annoyed by it. Like if you ever knew somebody, like I knew a kid named Mikey. He's friends with a guy named Mikey. His dad was Mike, and he, he was extremely popular. He was a straight A student. He was a talented. He was perfect. Everybody who was there back then, they, if, if, you, if you knew Mikey, and everybody did, Mikey was perfect. And I say that without any, there's no barb on that. Like, oh, Mikey's perfect. Like, truly. Like, this kid was, like, we used to be like, this guy can be a senator if he wants to be. You know, took the hardest classes. You know, he, he didn't get straight A's in the loser classes. Like, this kid was taking the hardest, like, AP classes, calculus didn't, you know, chemistry, didn't matter what this kid did, straight A's all the time. Straight A's at the highest levels. Varsity sports, multiple sports. Hung out with me and my friends sometimes. Popular guy, like friends with all the popular kids. One of the, one of the most popular guys in the whole school. But he would hang out with my friends and I, because he did have a dark sense of humor. Like he knew that he could go to us because we had you know, a dark sense of humor. Like we had, we had, he had a similar sense of humor to us. Like he, he knew he could talk about crazy things with us, but he was Mikey his whole life. And nobody was like, Oh, his name's Mikey. Like what a faggot. You know, nobody felt that way. It was just Mikey. Like he, he owned that name. But I do remember Like, I think when he got a little bit older, I haven't, I haven't been in touch with this guy since high school, basically. But uh, when he got a little bit older, like, I think he did try to start going by Mike. Like, when he graduated, he tried for a second to go by Mike, but it just, the shape had been molded, you know? Like, nobody's going to call him Mike. 
And I think he just went back to Mikey because why not? Doesn't make him. You know, nobody thought of this guy. He's like, oh, his name's Mikey. Sounds like he's a little boy. It's like this guy was a fucking man. He was the man. And uh, like this guy was just good at everything. Everything this guy did was good. It was just you just knew that about Mikey. Nobody was jealous of it. Nobody resented it. Everybody respected him. You know, I'm being dead serious too. This is like one of those guys where you're like, yeah, this guy could run for president. Um, but you know, in in giving him even more presidential, giving him even more pre- presidential credentials, is that he also had kind of a dark side, not dark as in like horrible, just a dark sense of humor. He could joke about weird shit. He could talk. He could talk to you about weird shit. Um, but nobody like like. He can't just become Mike. I knew some other people too. Like like I've known people who changed their nickname after they graduated high school. It was like no no it's it's Jen now. Like I'll always know he has Jenny. No it's Jen now. You know when people do that, like nobody accepts it. Nobody sees them as that. You can't choose your own nickname. Like people can try. Like it might eventually work. Like if your name's Jennifer, you, everybody always knew you as Jenny. And then you know you you go off to college and you start telling people it's Jen. They're just gonna know you as Jen. But with the people who know you as Jenny, like you're never gonna convince them. You don't get to choose that. You don't get to choose your name. You don't get to choose your nickname. And when someone changes their name. You know, even though it's this thing that in theory is arbitrary, like people put a lot of thought into it, a lot of feeling. There's a lot of intuition that goes into naming a child. There's a lot of meaning. You know, there's family meaning. Like some cultures, you name your firstborn son after his grandfather, his paternal grandfather. You name your secondborn son after the maternal grandfather. And then down the line, it's why Italians all have the same names in the same family. Like... You know, you're you're gonna have the same name every other generation, because you're named after your grandfather, and your son's gonna be named after your father, and your son's son is gonna be named after you. And uh, you know that was common. You know, so you really had no choice. And then you're given a nickname. Like in those families where like a lot of the men have the same recurring names, family names, you then give nicknames. Oh, he's Butch. This is Junior, that's Butch. That's Frank. Not to be confused with Frank, his cousin Frankie. Or, or their grandpa, Grandpa Frank. You know, so it's like you end up with more more nicknames and you don't choose the nicknames. Usually a nickname is something that is given to you at a young age. And it's either like something you were doing. Like I knew a kid in school and his nickname was Sharky. I'm Blade and that's Sharky. His name was Sharky. And it was because he was really into sharks. And everybody knew him for years as Sharky. That's Sharky. I wasn't, he was older. He was like two years older than me. And like people would be like, oh yeah, like I, I saw Sharky there. And did you see what Sharky did? 
It was used completely organically, Sharky. It's just, you know, when I read Lord of the Rings, because I read Lord of the Rings like late in life, I loved the movies, but I didn't actually sit down and read all the books until, you know, maybe five years ago or less. And, you know, at the end of uh, Lord of the Rings, when, you know, Frodo, it's not in the movie, but when Frodo returns to the Shire and it's been taken over by this man called Sharky, I was just like, what the fuck am I reading? Because I immediately thought of that kid. And it, cause it's just, it will forever be a goofy name, Sharky. You know, even if I didn't associate it with this kid and his obsession with sharks, just the name Sharky. And then it turns out to be Soromon. Soromon has fled and he's like taken over the Shire and he's going by the name Sharky. He's like some stupid gang boss, like Sharky and his boys. Sharky and his boys took over the Shire. This is a Sharky Shire. Sharky Shire. So, you know, this kid went by Sharky, though. Like, everybody knew him as Sharky. Like, when he got older, he, he started going by his real name. Cause it's it's got to be hard to be Sharky when you're 18. Like, I was never friends with him, but, like, around the time I was, like, 17 or so, I started, he, he just kind of fell into my social circle, and nobody called him Sharky. It never even came up once. I think my friend and I, like, privately would be like, remember how he was called Sharky? But when you're 18, you're 19 years old, you know, it's hard to be Sharky. I mean, I can understand, like, you know, if your name's Nick and people call you Nicky, it might be hard to shake that. You'll always be Nicky. But I think there's kind of an understanding built into this nickname game that, like, yeah, you know, when he's 18, maybe we don't call him Sharky anymore. Maybe we don't need to call him Sharky. But it was a real authentic nickname. And I was told that it was because he was, he was really into sharks when he was a little kid. But everybody called him that. He was known as Sharky. I didn't even know his real name. It's like how some people didn't know my name was Eric. They'd just be like, Blade. Jack Blade. Sharky. Sharky and Blade. Detective agency, Sharky and Blade. But, but people, they don't really accept when you want to change your name. And when you legally change it or completely change it one way or the other, people really don't respond to that. And so that's why, like, with the, the gender thing being what it is, there's a lot of self-created names. Because it's always seen as narcissistic. It's always seen as vain. Like, there was this kid named Curtis who was trouble. He was a couple years younger than me, and he was always getting in trouble in school. I didn't even know him, really. Like, I keep saying that, but it's true. I didn't even... A lot of these people that I remember, I never even, like, knew them. They were just around. You just knew of them. You saw them every day around. And they stay in your brain forever. But this, his name was Curtis, and he, he was just like a young ADD-type kid. Just a mess. His name was Curtis. Like, in elementary school, you'd hear the recess teacher... Be like, Curtis, don't do that. You know, he's that kind of kid. He's getting into, like, petty trouble all the time. He ended, This kid ended up moving here and going to my college. I'd already graduated, but one of my best friends moved here to go to that college. And he was like, you know, I went to my orientation. And he's like, and the guy leading us around, like, I know he was that kid Curtis from our elementary school. Like, I, I remember him. He's like, it was Curtis. But he goes by the name Victor now. And I said to him, I was like, Curtis, right? 
And he was like, no, Victor. And then a couple years later, that same friend and I, we were drinking at a bar and we see that kid. And I immediately recognize him and I'm like, that's Curtis. And we started talking to him. We were all drunk. And my friend's like, you're Curtis. And he was like, yeah, he was drunk. And he's like, yeah, you know, but I go by Victor now. And so he has decided. This kid just decided that I'm Victor now. He just likes the name Victor. And it's like, you don't get to choose that. I don't like my given name, so I'm going to choose a cool name. I don't like being Curtis, so I'm Victor. I don't know if there's more story to that. I don't know if that's his middle name. I don't know where he got that. I don't I don't I know nothing. I just know that he was always Curtis. And now he he's living in a new town telling people he's Victor. And we weren't having it. I didn't even know this. this isn't a kid that I ever talked to. You know, I didn't grow up like talking to old Curtis. Hey Curtis. Hey Curtis, watch this. Watch me kick this ball really high in the air. Hey, Curtis, watch me kick this old man's head really high in the air. You know, it's not like I had any experiences with this kid. He was just around, and I knew who he was. So it would be even harder. Like, that's just us as basically on the periphery of this guy's life being like, nah, you're not Victor. You're Curtis. Like, what if you're his parents? What if you're somebody who really knows this kid? You're going to be like, it's almost insulting. And you have a tendency to see it as vain. It's very self-involved. It's like your name, you know, there are names that suck, and I feel bad for people who have names that suck, but guess what? That's your cross to, to bear, you know? That's your burden to carry. You know, your parents gave you that name, and you got to live with it. Part of your, the cross that you have to have to bear is that name. Sucks, but we need people with shitty names sometimes. Uh, <coughs> but uh, what, is it, what was I going to say um, yeah, you have a tendency to see it as vain and self-involved when somebody like on their own changes their name <coughs> and now we're in an age where that's going on all the time and even beyond like caring about the gender trans thing at all like people don't like like a person changing their core identity on their own at all one way or another like they don't like someone just changing their name it's seen as artificial like like when someone changes their name <coughs> just to change their name i don't know why i'm coughing um like when when a curtis starts going by victor your your gut response is like who are you trying to fool you're curtis so now that's happening, you know, and, that, and that's trying to change your identity. Like you think that's like getting a tattoo. Like when you change your name or change your nickname, which, you know, I'm not condemning anybody for doing that. <coughs> I'm just saying it, it's almost like getting a new tattoo and acting like it's changed you. Like you're, you're now a new person. You might feel like one on the outside, but you're not. And, uh, you know, it's often something like we don't get to choose ourselves. Like, uh, you know, since when do you get to choose? Let the people decide. Your parents will name you and the people will decide what they want to call you. 
That's how it works. But now it's this thing where it's like, oh no, this is the real me. This is the real me. I'm this. You know, because you have the ones where like a man becomes a woman. Like, you know, I had a childhood friend who's now, you know, a woman. And all he did is add an A to the end of his name. He just, he had a name that could easily transform into the feminine version of the same name by adding an A. That's all he did. You have like plenty of those, but then you have the ones where like they choose some wild name. Like it's some dude named Colin becomes a woman and now he's Victoria. Like, couldn't you have gone with Colleen? Hey, Colleen. You'll always be Colleen to me. But it's like Colin's now Victoria. And they get even more out there than that. That's just the only one I could come up with. Um, and, and so it's like, no, this is my real name. Oh, Matt? He goes by Gwendolyn now. It's like, why Gwendolyn? Well, he, he, that name resonated with him. Okay. Like, you have a better idea of, like, it's, it's just, it's like role playing. It's like fantasy at that point. Like you, on some intuitive level, like you know which name fits you. You don't get to choose. That'd be interesting. Like if when someone decided to become trans, if we voted on their name, like, or, if, or if their parents had to do it, if like their parents are alive, their parents get to decide. That, that's how it should work. Like when someone decides to change their gender and change their name, their parents should get to rename them. If they're under 18, if they're over 18, the public votes. And you know what? People would fucking do that. Like, and, and we'd make it fair. Like, it wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't be like one of those online polls where like everyone would vote to name them Donkey or some shit. Her name is Donkey. You know, it's not like something like that where it, it's going to be a joke. It's like they would narrow it down to like two to four options that are all realistic names and the public votes. And if they're under 18, just like anything, you know, if they're under 18, their parents decide, hey, you have a daughter now. Pretend that this child is being born and come up with a girl's name. You, just, you were just told that you're now having a girl. We're hopping in a time machine, we're going back 15 years, and you've just learned that you are actually having a girl, not a boy. What name would you choose? You know, that's how it should work. I'm surprised nobody's thought of that. Because there's just something, you know, and it doesn't help the cause. I think that's the other side of it, too. It doesn't help the cause because we all just intuitively resent and reject when someone like renames themselves or comes up with their own nickname like it doesn't help the whole trans thing that that's part of it too like we just naturally do that it's like ah, you can't name yourself don't tell me what to call you you know so if you took the name thing out of it it, it might it would change things probably pretty substantially and there's always, a, you know, it's such a power move to ask somebody to call you something else. You know, it's one thing if you have their name wrong. 
Like, if a guy's name is Bob, but you keep calling him Bill, like, hey, Bill, it's Bob. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so, so Bill, um, you know, it's not a power move to be like, no, no, my name is Bob. Call me by my name. You know, that's not a power move. That's just setting the record straight. But, you know, if, if somebody's known you as Bobby and you're like, it's Bob now. It's Bob. That's a power move. And I'm, I personally don't care. Like, you know, because we're wounded when someone calls us by the wrong name. You know, it's one of the, the earliest and endless wounds that your ego endures is to be called by the wrong name. Somebody not knowing your name, somebody who should know your name, but doesn't. Or somebody who should know your name, who calls you by the wrong name, like that really wounds us. And like it can completely change some your opinion on somebody if they call you the wrong name. Like since I work with a lot of customers now, we have some like re recurring customers, and some of them I, I can remember their names, but every once in a while someone will come in and like I know them, I know their face. They might even be like, "Remember me? Remember me?" But like, I'm like, I don't say their name because I'm like, fuck, like, I don't know if this guy's name is Brad or, or Tom. And if I call him the wrong name, we could lose a customer. Uh, you know, it, it's, you could lose a customer over that. In, in most cases, no. Like, I've called people by the wrong name. I've been like, are you Tom? Like, no, Brad. I'm like, oh, yeah. And they, they, they usually say something like, you know, I wouldn't expect you to remember that. You meet all kinds of people here. You know, usually they're, they're pretty understanding when that's happened or they just don't say anything. They're just like, oh, no, it's Brad. Um, but I, you can really wound somebody. And at least that's just like a, a store. People don't tend to take those things that personally in a store. But when it's like a circle of people, like when it's, you know, you're like someone you think is a friend or a acquaintance and they call you by the wrong name or they don't know your name, it really shatters your, your ego. It's like, oh, and some people hate somebody after that. You know, like my name's Mike and, you know, I thought Pete was cool, but he called me Tom at the party. Fuck, fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck Pete. Dude, I, I don't like Pete. Why? He wounded my ego because he didn't remember my name. And, and sometimes people pretend to not know someone's name just to send a, an arrow flying right into their ego. Like people go the opposite way where they'll deliberately act like they don't know someone's name or get someone's name wrong just to put them in their place. People do that quite a bit. You know, some of that is... And people do that, on you know, in another way too where... Like sometimes if you've met somebody and you remember their name and you run into them, like you won't act that familiar with them. Like you, you might not use their name because you don't want to suggest that you care more than they do about the relationship. And I'm just talking about like acquaintanceship. Acquaintanceship. You know, sometimes you'll pretend to know less about someone than you really do because you don't want to show your cards. You don't want to seem like you care more. And you might not care that much. Like, I'm a naturally very observant person. I used to be a lot better with names. 
I have to say, like, I I used to be, like, if I learned a name, it was just filed away. Like, I practically had, like, a Rolodex in my brain of, like, faces and the name that goes with them. It's why I remember all these obscure people I went to elementary school with. They just got filed away. But I have to say, during the last, like, five or so years, I've noticed it slipping a little bit. You know, I don't know if that's a product of just like meeting, like I've met my, I'm at my capacity of people I can remember. I don't know if it's like getting a little bit older. I don't know what it is, but I've noticed that like it's a, names don't stick with me as well as they used to. Maybe I don't pay as, as much attention. Maybe I'm less invested. I've just noticed that about myself though. Um, and, uh, but what I was going to say is just that I'm a very observant person. So like for most of my life, even if I didn't really care about someone or who they were, and I don't mean that in like a, a malicious way, I don't care. I just mean like I'm not invested, I don't care. I would still remember their name and things about them. But I remember many times where I kind of pretended I didn't. And people do that to you. You know, it's this, it's this sort of bluff that we have because there's something about seeming, like even if you don't care that much, remembering things suggests that we care so if you remember, if, if you admit to what you remember, if you admit to what you know, you signal that you care. And we're always worried about caring more than the other person. Like you'll see two people having a ferocious argument. It's passionate. They both care. And one person pulls out their secret weapon, which is that I don't care about this as much as you. Oh, you. it seems like you really care about this. And it's like... I always hated that where it's like, no, you care too. Whenever someone pulls out, they're like, I don't care. I don't care as much as you. You know, it's the ultimate trump card because, you know, you never want it. Like, basically, you lose an argument at some point. Like, if an argument isn't going to be settled with a, a clear-cut winner, one of the, the ways to cheat is to say, I guess you just care more than I do. I just don't care as much as you. And then you end up in an argument about who cares more. That's not true. I don't care. You care. No, I think you care more. You'll see arguments, many arguments go that way. But it bleeds out into other things too. We're like seeming like you care. And I'm not talking about like emotional care, like seeming like you care about somebody emotionally. I just mean seeming like you care at all about anything. We see that as like a disadvantageous position. He cares too much. You care too much. You care too much about this. Oh, well, you really care about, you really care too much about this. Um, someone's probably been killed over that. Um, and like knowing someone's name when they don't know yours means you care it's it's there's an imbalance of power there but then you know there's the the other side of it which is constantly updating like expecting because like when you change your name or you change your own nickname when you give yourself a name or a nickname you're demanding that people care you're demanding that the people who have already, it, you know, when you've known people your entire life and they've always known you as Tommy, and now you want to go by Thomas or Tom, 
it's hard-coded into all those people who know you that you're Tommy. And you're kind of insulting them. You're asking them to pay more attention. You're asking them to be unnatural. That every time they talk about you now, they have to call you Tom. Every time you're lucky enough that people are talking about you, that they're caring about you, they now have to care even more because they have to modify what they're saying. They have to like update their code to call you Tom instead of Tommy. You know, and so it, it's this power move where it's like, no, I want to go by this. I demand that you care. I demand that you modify the sound you use to refer to me. It's nitpicky. And I can tell you that sometimes like when people don't know my name or give like I've had people call me by the wrong name and I just revel in it. The funniest example of that is when my mom died in the ICU, they asked me my name, like, you know, because they, they want to write down, like, which relative was there. And they recorded it as Derek. Like, somebody came over to me with a clipboard, and you're like, you're the son? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, what's your name? I'm like, Eric. And they recorded it as Derek. And then I got this uh, card in the mail from the hospital after my mom died. Like It was a condolences signed by the staff. And it was addressed to Derek. And I was like, I'm Derek. And it makes no difference. I'm Derek. I had somebody call me something weird. I had a customer or somebody come in who had met me before... And they, they called me by a completely different name. And I don't remember what it was, but I remember like enjoying it. I was like, that's funny. I kind of like that that person has a completely different idea of me. That person has a completely different idea of me because they think I have a different name. Because it changes your perception of somebody when somebody has a different name than you expect. It's like, it's why everybody, you know... Even even like the hard hardest atheist will be like he doesn't look like a Matt. He doesn't look like a Mike. Like we all associate certain names or certain physiognomy, and it's not that all Mikes look alike, but when someone doesn't look like a Mike and you find out their name's Mike, you go, eh, and it doesn't seem like a Mike. Which is even more reason why people should vote on names, you know? You don't look like a Mike. People start voting, and people would vote passionately. Like, you want to talk about voter turnout? If they put names on the ballot, like if you got to choose people's names on the ballot, everybody would register to vote. If you got to choose the new name of a trans person, everybody would vote. Every fucking person would vote. And like I said, it wouldn't be a, a gag. It wouldn't be like donkey. Oh, the the people have spoken. They want your new name to be donkey. You know, that wouldn't happen. It, you'd choose legitimate names. But even then, everybody would vote. Everybody would want to be a part of it. Imagine like somebody sitting there like waiting for the polls to close. And they find out that night what their new name is going to be. 
Amazing, amazing. Um, you know, that's, that's the direction things need to head in. If people are going to be allowed to change core parts of their identity, people should be able to vote on it. People should be able to vote. Parents should get to choose before you're 18. And once you're 18, people get to vote. And I'm I'm extending this. I, I, I would say for any name change at all, like any time, any like it's not just about trans people. I don't I don't want to um, single out trans people and be like, we should vote for their new name. It's about any name change at all. If you're over 18 and you want to legally change your name, the public is going to vote. You want to change your identity? Well, okay. But the people are going to have their say too. We get to decide. We get to decide what your new name is.